that video. Anybody? Nobody looked that up. I did. <laughs> I want to see what was that. There's nothing there, so it just gives back with a big zero. There's there's literally nothing there. Read harmony. So just in case you're wondering. Second, just in case you're tracking this with me, it's January 12th, and 40% of the month is over. So is anybody tracking their days? <laughs> we got uh, 40% of the month is already over. Almost 4% of the year is almost gone. So we're just moving right through the new year. It's just started, isn't it? It's amazing how fast time flies. That's what uh, we looked at two weeks ago. Uh, two weeks ago, I looked at the importance of living beyond the new year and uh, looking at keeping the main thing the main thing, looking at our priorities. And then last week, uh, Dr. Liu uh, looked at the biblical principle of tithing and uh, looked at uh, uh, Jesus' perspective on that and just talked about the importance of putting God first in our finances. And this morning, we're going to be looking at Living large, avoiding the traps and snares of greed. And uh, greed is a trap. We all get snatched by greed. It's really easy to be greedy, uh, whether it's shoes, uh, maybe clothes, maybe it's electronics, maybe it's stuff for the house. You know, greed is a trap, and we get easily sucked into it. We can even get sucked into it with candy. I was at a movie at Woodstock Movie Theater not too long ago. How many of you have been to the Woodstock Movie Theater? Anybody been there? After the movie's over, there's somebody standing at the door, and what do they got? A bowl of mitts. And those mitts are good, right? And so we're walking out of the movie theater, and I'm reaching in there. I'm trying to be nonchalant, and part of me just wants to reach in there and grab a big handful. You know, they're really good mitts. And so, you know, I'm trying to grab one, and... You know, my family's looking at me. It's like, oh gosh, there's dad. He's coming. He's going to get. <laughs> Those mints are good. You know, it's easy to be greedy. Greed is wanting something more than you really need, right? And it is so easy to get sucked into stuff. Whether it's mints, clothes, electronics, whatever it is, uh, it's just so many things that can trip us up, trap us. And so, uh, this morning we're going to look at some antidotes for that. And so, uh, I want to just ask you, let's open our time up in prayer. Let's ask God's word to instruct us on how to avoid greed and how to become more Christ-like. Would you pray with me? Father, I just thank you for this day you've given us today. And and God, it is really easy to get ensnared and trapped by things of this world. And so, God, we want to be different. Uh, We want to be set apart for that. I just thank you that you've given us your word, God, that can transform our lives um, so that we don't have to uh, fall into these traps. And so, God, this morning, just instruct us as your ways. Uh, God, continue to conform us into the image and the likeness of your Son. We lift our time up to you for your glory. In Christ's name, amen. Well, this morning we're going to be looking at the parable of the rich fool. It's in uh, Luke uh, chapter 12. Uh, Leading up to chapter 12, um, Jesus is performing uh, a lot of miracles. Uh, He's brought a dead girl back to life. Um, He has healed a sick woman um, he has fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fishes. Um, he healed a boy with an evil spirit. Um, he's teaching on prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and uh, he's really just, God just really anointed his teaching. And people are captivated by that. And he's having this huge impact on this area. And uh, he's captured everyone's attention. And, and he's, he's drawn a lot of attention. And And beginning in verse 1 of chapter 12, it says this, there's a crowd of many thousands of people had gathered together so that they were trampling on one another. And so 
Jesus is doing these amazing things throughout the land. He's attracted this huge following. There's thousands of people around him. There's so many people around him. They're tripping on each other. And they're hanging on his every word. And then beginning in the uh, uh, middle of chapter 12, beginning in verse 13, it says there's a man that screams and gets his attention. And so in the middle of this great oratory you know, delivery that Jesus has given, somebody raises their hand and just kind of shouts out, and says, Teacher, I need some help. Would you please tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me? He needs to split his stuff with me. And so in the midst of this great teaching, this guy wants Jesus to tell his brother to share his stuff. So I'm glad that Jesus is not the only one that has a hard time keeping people's attention. Because this guy's mind's obviously drifted away from the point of why all these people have gathered together, and he gets pulled in to something as mundane as having Jesus tell his brother to share his stuff. That is the epitome of what greed looks like. Everyone's hanging on Jesus' words. Tensions is high. And this man wants Jesus to tell his brother to split the inheritance. In verse 14, it says this. And if you brought your Bibles with me, we're just going to read through these next passages together. But beginning of verse 14, Jesus says, Man... Who appointed me judge or arbitrator between you two? You guys, go figure this out yourself. This is, this is petty. And then he looks over to the crowd and he says, he says to them, looking to the crowd, you see what just happened? Watch out. Be on your guard against that kind of greed. Be on guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist of the abundance of his possessions. And then he goes on to tell them a parable. He says, there's a ground of a certain rich man, the grounds, the soil of a certain rich man, produces a good crop. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store all my crops. And then he said to himself, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And there I will store my grain and all my goods. And I will say to myself, look, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool! This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who's going to get all these things that you prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich towards God. And so how do we live lives that are rich towards God? God, are we going to live a life of greed where we're caught up on our stuff? Or are we going to focus on living lives that are focused on being rich towards God? How do we do that? And so what we want to look at this morning is this watch out. Watch out and be on guard you know, against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And then he gives them a parable. And this parable that we're going to look at this morning is where I think we find four traps that we easily get sucked into. And the first trap is this. Who owns our stuff? Who is the owner? Listen to what it said in verse 16 and 17. The man had these soil, these grounds of a certain, you know, the certain rich man. They produced a good crop. And he thought to himself, what should I do? 
I have no place to store what? Store my crops. In other words, I planted this thing, the harvest came in, and these all belong to me. So whose crops do these belong? I mean, this guy's claiming them for himself. You know, who owns your stuff? You know, when you think about your paycheck coming in, or when you think about, you know, your food that gets provided for you, when you step back and you look, do you say, oh, look at all my stuff? Or do you say, hey, God, look, thanks for providing this for me. I mean, in our culture today, it is very greed-oriented in a sense that these things belong to me. I've worked hard for it. I slaved for it. I got the job. I got the job. It's my job. I earned it. It's my stuff. I bought it. We need to take care of it. And from a cultural perspective, that is how we view our stuff. It's my stuff. And that's a snare of greed, is when we don't recognize that everything belongs to God. You know, when we were uh, first transitioning into ministry, my wife and I were in the process of buying a car, and so we went ahead and we bought a car, so we bought our last new car before ministry. And I was like, okay, this car's got to last forever, because we're getting ready to go into ministry, and uh, we've got to make this thing last. And so we've got this new car, and it is two days old. I'm at the store and we're grocery shopping and I come back out and I'm standing at the side of my new car and what do I see? Right on the driver's side door, yeah, a dent, a big one. And it's got a big crease where somebody's door hit it. And so I'm looking at this thing going, I am about ready to lose it. Look at, I just, I saved, you know, this was my last car, this was supposed to last, look at it. It's got a dent in it. And I am like livid. And I get in the car and my family's looking at me and it's like, Wow. This is just a car, right, Dad? <laughs> yeah, but it's my car. It's the last new one I'm going to have. And so it, it, it's my car. And we get so pulled into that. We, we work hard for stuff. We want stuff to last. And, and, and we think everything belongs to us. Or think about our kids. Or think about the pain of putting your kids on the bus. Those are my kids. Those are mine. You know, it's interesting to think about. I heard somebody uh, say once that God loves uh, your kids more than you do. And it kind of caught me off guard for a second because I thought nobody can love my kids more than me. And I thought, well, you know, God does. God loves your kids more than you do. In fact, they're a blessing from him. They belong to him. He's theirs. And his parents were just good stewards. You know, a parent is responsible for what? Training up a child. And so we're responsible for training our kids to understand who God is, how to have a relationship with Christ. And then we're supposed to to turn them loose. They don't belong to us. And so, the, you know, whether it's our kids, or whether it's our car, or whether it's our crops, or whether it's our money, you know, whatever it is, there's a sense that everything that we have belongs to us. And that is a trap. It's a snare. It's, a, it's an inroad into having a greedy heart. When we think things are ours and we don't want to share them, we are greedy. And it's a snare. It's a trap. The opposite of that, was, is, being, is understanding that God owns everything, which is what we see when we look at uh, Psalm 24, verses 1 through 2. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Everything in it. Not some stuff. Not the stuff that, you know, I just want to release to him. Everything in the world is his. The world and all who live in it. Everybody belongs to him. He owns everything. Everything is the Lord's. He founded it. Upon the seas, he established it upon the waters. And so everything belongs 
to God. And so until we shift our thinking in terms of ownership, we are at risk of being ensnared and trapped and being pulled in to greed. God owns everything. And we need to understand that needs to be reflected in how our attitude is towards our stuff, our car, our house. When we, when we sit down and we go, when we go home, we, you know, we're, we're giving thanks for the heater last night. You know, God, thank you for providing my house. Thank you for a roof over my head. Thank you for the heat. Thank you for this food that we're about to eat. You realize when you sit down to eat dinner that God has provided that meal for you. It was his. He provided it for you. And, and we give thanks for our food. And so we give thanks for our food. We give thanks for our house. We, we thank God for his provision for us. And that is a proper attitude on, on ownership. And so when you think about this issue of ownership, it looks like this. Greed says that everything is mine. When it comes to my stuff, a greedy person will say, it's my crops. It will say that I own this. I am responsible for this. And so ownership from a greedy perspective says it's mine. If we want to be rich towards God, then we need to have an attitude that understands that everything that we have belongs to God. Everything. You know, our jobs are a result of the way that God's gifted us. The, the, the breath that you take while you're sitting here this morning, every breath that you draw in is because of God willed it. Everything that we have belongs to God. Every breath that we take belongs to God. Everything in the earth is the Lord's. And when it comes to this issue of ownership, if, if we want to avoid the snare, the trap of greed, we have to understand that he owns everything. And so when it comes to the issue of ownership, uh, this parable identifies the first trap is this issue of perspective on who owns it. A greedy person says it's mine, but a person that is rich towards God will say that it is his. And so the first trap is ownership. The second trap is going to be spending. You know, how do we spend and use our money? How do we spend our time? How do we spend what we've been entrusted with? You know, you can look at a person's checkbook and you can see what is important to them in, in their life. I can look down in my checkbook and I can see that having a house and a roof over my head is important. I got a house payment. I can see that um, gasoline for my car is important. Traveling is important. I can see that um, food is important. You know, we've got a, a big food bill. And so I can look down through my spending and, you know, apparently, you know, even in the Woolard house, entertainment can be uh, important because we have Netflix. And so, you know, we don't have cable, but we have the Internet, so we buy Netflix. And so, you know, you can look down through a person's checkbook and you can see what's important to them just based on their spending. So how do we spend our money? In verse 18, uh, our parable, it said this, the the fool said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear down my barns and I'm going to build bigger ones. And there I'm going to store all my grain and all my goods. You know, I've been given an abundance. And so what's my response? I'm just going to build a bigger house and store more stuff. Build a bigger house, store more stuff. Does that cycle sound familiar to anybody? I had uh, was in healthcare before ministry. And as a part of my career, we, we moved around a lot. And every time I got a job, I'd get a promotion. I'd make more money and buy a bigger house and then we'd get more stuff. And then we'd buy a bigger house. It's like, well, that room needs furniture, so we'd buy more stuff. And so every time we moved, what'd we do? Got a bigger house and bought more stuff. And then we started having kids. 
So you have, well, with each kid, you know, they're, they're all, can't put four kids in the same bedroom. And so we need a bigger house. And so it was this constant cycle of getting more and spending more and building more and building more. And that cycle leads to greed. Because the perspective is, is that it's got to be self-sustaining. Well, now that I've got this big house, I have to pay for the big house. And so you get into this trap of spending that really reflects a greedy lifestyle. And so when you look down through your spending, you see what is important. And so where does, where does God fit in all of this? You know, look at this uh, passage with me in Hebrews 13. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Don't, don't get caught in this cycle. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I sustain you. Be content with your stuff. Stuff can be a comfort. You know, when, our, when, when, we, have, when, when we have issues of depression or when something bad happens, I mean, we, could turn to, we turn to food for comfort. We turn to purchasing stuff for comfort. You know, most purchases that get done, um, they're impulse buying as a result of some circumstance in a person's life. And so, you know, when you think about spending, um, you know, if you get caught in the cycle of spending and, and buying more and being bigger and bigger, it, it's, it's leading you towards a lifestyle of greed. On the inverse of that, be content with what you have, because ultimately what you really have is we have the hope of who we are in Christ. Our real sufficiency comes from knowing that God loves us, that he never will leave us, he never will forsake us. And so from a greedy perspective, when we look at, when we look at our spending, if you, if you look down through your spending, does it reflect the hope that you have in Christ? Does it reflect the fact that God loves you? Does it reflect that he'll never leave you, that he'll never forsake you? And so where is God in our spending? And so we've got our house payment, we've got our car. You know, last week Dr. Lou looked specifically at the principle of tithing. It's a, it's a biblical principle that just says, God, I'm going to put you first in my life and, and honor you in that way. It's going to remind me that everything belongs to you, and it's going to help me to avoid this issue of being greedy in our, our spending. You know, and, and from, a, from a trap perspective, it looks like this. When you think about your spending, a greedy person wants more. A greedy person is not satisfied with one or two minutes. They've got to go for a whole handful. Or the greedy person says, I want more stuff for this room. And so that's what a greedy person does. When they look at their spending, it's, it, there's no satisfaction with what they have. It's about purchasing more and wanting more space. And, and, but if you want to be rich towards God, we have to step back and we have to say, look, enough is enough. I don't need any more stuff. I need to be content with what I have and satisfied in, in the fact that I'm sealed, that God loves me, that I have everything I need as a result of who I am in him. And so those two different lifestyles are, are really contrasted in this area of spending. When it comes to this pitfall of, of greed, when Jesus says, watch out for all kinds of greed, he's talking about this issue of making sure your perspective is on, has the right owner. Making sure that your spending reflects satisfaction. Don't be buying more and more and more. Be satisfied with what you have and be secure in who you are in Christ. And so living rich towards God says I'm satisfied. And so the second trap was, was, owner, was, uh, was this issue of uh, was, uh, spending. And then we look over at the, uh, the third trap. And the third trap is reflected in 
um, our generosity. In verse 19, uh, the fool says this, I'll say to myself, I have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. And so a fool says, I've got everything that I need. I'm just going to step back and relax. And uh, there's really no attitude about sharing everything that I have with anybody else. It just says, hey, look, all this stuff is mine. Um, I've worked hard for it. It's all stored up for here. And uh, I'm just going to live happily and be content, and everybody else can kind of fend for themselves. You know, that is an attitude of greed. It's a trap. It's a snare. And Jesus says, watch out. Don't go there. Don't get complacent about your stuff. Don't think that all your stuff is, is just for you. Instead, be generous. You know, be generous. Share what you have with other people. And this issue of generosity is is really an important one because there's a difference between um, giving and then giving with a generous heart. Generosity is about really the desire to share what you have with others. It's about putting God first and about being excited about being a cheerful giver and, and putting God first in your giving. And, you know, my wife and I have had to work really hard at, at, at making sure that we keep that as a priority. And one of the ways that we've kept generosity a priority in our family is by using, you know, online giving. And so when my paycheck comes in, the first thing that happens is, you know, a tenth of that comes out and, and goes to God. And then it, it frees me up to also to be able to be more generous because as, as God leads during a service or as other opportunities come up, I'm able to, to give to other things as well. And so our attitude about giving is really what is reflected in our generosity. And a gritty person doesn't understand that their stuff is to be shared with other people. And and this is what we see with the uh, Macedonian believers in 2 Corinthians. And in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8, Paul's writing and he's telling the stories about the Macedonian believers who are, who are in turmoil. They're in extreme poverty. Um, they're, they're really having a, a difficult time. Uh, but in spite of that, Paul comes to them and is preaching and he tells them about an opportunity that they have to participate. And so he's taking up an offering and Paul says this about their giving, he says that they gave as much as they were able to, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected. We expected them to hold it back and just to hang on to what they needed. They didn't do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then they gave to us in keeping with God's will. They were hurting they were in poverty. They were also able to give with generous hearts. A greedy person says, this is my stuff. I've got everything that I need, and I'm not going to share it. But a generous person that is living a life that is sold out or living towards God is really generous with their giving. And this, the third trap kind of looks like this. You know, when it comes to the area of generosity, the trap that we can fall into of greed is, is holding back. It's about thinking that it's, it's all ours, that we don't have to share it. But if we want to live a life that is rich towards God, we have to be bold in our giving. Bold. We have to plead with our giving. We have to be excited about giving. We have to love giving. That's living a life that is bold giving. It's living a life that is rich towards God. You know, we use uh, connection power for our online giving at, at uh, at uh, Springbrook, and so you have to sign up for that every year. So at the end of the 12 months, if you don't re-sign up, it, it stops coming out. And so um, 
you know, I got an email in my inbox that said, hey, your automatic giving is about ready to expire. You need to renew it or, you're not, or you know, it's not going to come out anymore. And so, of course, my inbox is about this big and it's out of control anyway. And so I didn't stop what I was doing right then to go sign up for it. And so and then it gets caught up in my email. And so, you know, pretty soon I'm, I've forgotten about it, right? And so a uh, month goes by and look at the checkbook. Hey, we got some extra money. This is great. Hey, what are we going to do? Let's hold back. Let's let's enjoy it. Let's do the. We have plenty of good things. Let's take it easy. Let's eat. Let's go out to dinner. You know, that's that's. There was a point in my life when I probably would have just done that, but 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 what I didn't do. I wish I could be more like the Macedonians. I wish I could throw my check and go. Hey, you forgot mine. Hey, wait for me. You know, a generous person looks for opportunities to give and to and, and to be bold with their giving. If that's what we're going to do to be rich towards God, it requires us to, 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 to have an attitude of generosity that's reflected in our, in our behavior, our excitement about who we are in God. And that's, that's one of the things that's exciting about celebrating our, our year-end offering because we are, this is a, we are a generous church. You know, I was looking at what happened as we went into the end of last year with our Sailor Thanksgiving and the Angel Tree, and, you know, and I know many of you are involved in missions activities outside of Springbrook, but, you know, it's it's exciting when you're around people that are generous because you can see how God is just going to go before you and just and bless that because of your generosity we're we're having an impact on lives in our community and so we can let we could we could have our money just kind of sit in our pocket and we could go out to dinner and maybe go to you know famous Dave's get some barbecue or something or you know we could use our money for our own benefit or we could free it up for God to use and just and just be blessed. Because of your generosity, you know, teachers are having an impact through Kids Hope on the Lake in the Hills. You know, elementary school, it was amazing. I, get, uh, I think I shared this with you before, but we had a, uh, one of the kids went home, and uh, the parents has noticed the difference in the kids, and so they called the school and wanted to know what on earth was going on with their child because, you know, their behavior's changed. And, and so the teacher was talking about, you know, Kids Hope and, you know, got some people from Springbrook that are spending some time with them. And so that comes back to us, and it's like, it's neat because... You can see because of people's generosity, there's a direct impact that kind of pays it forward into having an impact on something that is, that is really going to make a difference for all eternity. And so when you think about it from the perspective of, you know, do I go to Famous Dave's or do I have an impact on a, on a child or do I, do I invest in a ministry that is equipping saints? Do I invest in a ministry that's reaching a community for Christ and where people are making faith commitments? I was in the baptism classes uh, before this service, and it was so exciting to listen to people go around the table and talk about what a difference this ministry has made in their life and their excitement about who they are in Christ and their desire to want to get baptized. I mean, that is, that is a result of bold giving. That's a result of people that are living in their lives rich towards God. And the, the inverse of that is to live the life of a fool and to live a life of greed and to, and to hold back and, and to not be generous. And so Jesus, through this parable, says, look, watch out. Don't fall into the trap of thinking you own it. Watch where you're spending it and, and be generous. And then the fourth, uh, fourth trap that he talks through is just this issue of investments. You know, where are our investments? You know, investments, what's the first thing you think of? Stock, money market, checking account. You know, how much money do you have in your checkbook? Does anybody in here not know how much money is in their checkbook? I mean, everybody knows that, right? When you think about investments, we all are thinking about, okay, what are we going to do when we retire? I mean, I don't retire. There's nothing wrong with retirement, but there's a sense that if that becomes our only thing, then it's a trap. It's moving us towards greed and moving us away from God's best for us. And so when you think about investments, 
you know, we think about things of the world. We think about our 401k. You know, verse 20, verse 20, God says, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who's going to get what you have prepared for yourself? You know, you've, you've gone through and you've, you, this crap, you thought these crops were yours. You've built all this storehouse for yourself. You know, you've, you're, you've not been generous. You've been holding it back for yourself. What for? You, you fool. This very night, your life's going to be demanded from you. And, and, then, and, and then who's going to get all this stuff you prepared for yourself? You know, who wants your stuff? Nobody wants your stuff. You know, half the stuff that you buy is going gonna to get rusted in. You buy that new car, it's going to get dent, it's going to get rusted. The Illinois toll roads and the salt are going to take care of it anyway. I mean, everything that you buy is temporary. It's, 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 it's temporary stuff. You know, your house. Everything you see with your eyes is temporary, but we get so consumed on our, our investments that we, it moves us towards this attitude of greed. You know, everything, nobody wants your stuff. It's funny, my, uh, my mom's been talking to the kids about, you know, do you want this, do you want that? So the kids are like, uh, hey, Dad, can I, can I bring this home? Grandma gave this to me. It's like, oh, don't bring it into my house. Have you seen our basement? I got no more room for any more stuff. Our basement is packed. I got this little curtain over here. It's all the stuff, and I got this little space. I got no more room for stuff. And so I got all these little buckets, and it's got all the kids' names on it. It's like when you move, you're taking your stuff. I don't want your stuff anymore. And don't bring any more stuff into the house. And so half the stuff you're buying, nobody else really wants anyway. And half the stuff, it's, it's, it's just crazy. The, the, the way we just process through, the process through stuff. We are so short-sighted that we, that we, you know, who's gonna, who's gonna want all that stuff? What are you gonna do with it all anyway? You know, when your time's over, now what? You know, compare this to Matthew 6, verse 19 through 21. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, your heart follows that. And so look at where your treasure is. That's where your heart is. Your heart follows your treasure you know, you know uh, I was talking to uh, Dick Schmidt after the service, and he said, uh, "He said, yeah, you want somebody? You you can't take your stuff with you, but you can you can send it on ahead." In a sense, that invest in those things that are going to have an eternal impact. Kind of like what we were talking about with with Kids Hope. When you invest in when you invest in what God's accomplishing in and through this local body of Christ, it has an eternal impact that that is going to get paid forward. You know, it was a, you know, it was kind of funny to, uh, in that video clip, the gal goes, hey, I bought this big casket and we're both going to be in it with all our stuff. You know, a lot of people think that way. It's like, they don't think about the fact that, hey, you know, nobody's going to want this stuff. You know, they, they, there's a sense that, you know, we could take it with us. You know, we can't. It's, it's all going to fade. It's all going to be destroyed. It's all going to go away. But we can invest in eternity in a sense that we can invest in a ministry that is equipping saints, that is being intentional about reaching people for Christ, that is being intentional about helping people experience genuine biblical community. And so we can invest in a way that it has an eternal impact and in a sense pay our money uh, forward. And so this fourth trap of, of greed is really reflected in how we handle our investments. A greedy person is reflected on just earthly things. 
Now, you think about investments from an earthly perspective. Is retirement important? Yeah, it is. A fool goes into battle without paying the cost. There's a sense of, you know, being prepared for the future. But if that is our priority at the expense of other things, then we are falling into this trap of greed. If we're going to live lives that are rich towards God, we have to have a heavenly perspective on our investments. We need to be investing in those things that matter most. We need to be paying it forward. And so, you know, it's a, it's a trap. It's, a, it's, a, it's an earthly thing to think that the only thing that's important right now is how much money I have in my checking account. And to not think that it belongs to God, that I shouldn't be sharing that with others, and that I shouldn't be generous, and that I shouldn't be investing in, in the future, <laughs> you know, of eternity. And so the greedy man falls in line with that parable. Jesus tells them the parable saying, look, don't do these things. Watch out. Instead, live a life that is focused on God. And that's what that closing verse was in verse 21. This is how it's going to be with anyone who stores up things for himself. He's going to be a greedy man that's going to die with stuff that nobody wants. And that's what happens if you're not rich towards God. And so we need to live lives that are more focused on the eternal things of importance. We need to be generous. We need to think about investing in eternity. We need to be, we need need to think about our spending. And we need to be wise with those things if we're going to avoid the trap of falling into the snare that Jesus warns us about of greed. Beware of all different types of greed. Instead, be focused on being rich towards God. And so this morning, you know, as you think through these issues, you know, where are you? I mean, if you've had an opportunity to kind of process through those four areas on the back of your insert, there's a little, little place where you can kind of take on some notes. But I want to encourage you to, uh, to take some time to, to ask that question of yourself this morning. And don't just ask it of yourself. Ask somebody, you know, close to you. Ask your spouse. Ask a friend. Ask your small group leader. You know, it's so difficult to, um, to talk to people about this this kind of issue, because these are kind of intimate details. I don't want anybody wanting to know how much money I make. I was talking to a lady about this. She was really, she was in a pickle on some stuff, and I was trying to work through her finances. And I said, well, okay, well, how much money do you have? And she's kind of reluctant. She's like, well, I don't want to tell you how much money I have. What's that matter to you? Well, I say, did you want some help? <laughs> we don't want to talk about it. This is confidential stuff. You know, I don't want to tell you what I make. And so we kind of broke through the barrier of, okay, well, this is how much is coming in. And then there was the question of, okay, well, where are you spending it? And that, man, that was like hitting a wall. I, I mean, can you imagine somebody walking up and saying, hey, let me see your checkbook. I mean, let me take a look. Let's take a look at where your spending is. I mean, that, nobody's getting in there, right? That's my stuff. That's my, that's my money. I, nobody's looking in there. You know, it's so funny because when I went to church funding, one of the things I had to do was I had to, I had to, I had to justify my salary. And so I, it was an open book. It was like, okay, well, guys, you know, what, what do you not want me to have? Okay, I can, I can, uh, we can not eat. Or, I, you know, maybe if you can find a house for me, without, you know, here's a house payment. I mean, what do you want to cut back? I mean, we don't have cable. I got internet, and we watch stuff through the cable. But, you know, when you, 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 you manage your expenses. You, you manage your spending. And so it's really interesting because you get to the point where you're, where you're talking through how you're spending it. Ask somebody what that looks like in your life. You know, ask somebody, ask your small group. You know, you and your spouse are in agreement on something. You know, talk to somebody about kind of where you're at. It's really an important issue because if you can get to the crux of this, then you can avoid 
falling into the worldly perspective of being a greedy person. And so you're not going to be able to make that evaluation yourself. I can say, I'm not greedy. I'm modest. And so you can't really assess yourself. Ask your spouse. You think I'm greedy? What does this look like in my life? Or go back and talk to your small group about it. Or, you know, if you've got, if you're kind of processing through some stuff, hey, you know, let me know. Say, hey, what do you think of this, Rich? You know, I think um, you know, it was really neat because I was able to, after I broke through the barrier with this lady, we just at the end of a, maybe it was a 15-minute conversation, uh, we found $500 a month she could save. And so uh, now she had to walk away from that and kind of figure out if she really wanted to, to do that. But it really is important to be able to sit down and, and talk through with somebody, you know, where you're at in these areas. You know, my wife and I have an agreement where we don't make major purchases uh, with one another without talking about it. You know, Christmas was kind of an interesting dynamic because I bought some stuff for Christmas. And so does that fall into the category or not? I don't know. So uh depends on who it's for. And so, but, you know, just the whole dynamic of, you know, communicating with each other is so important. And so take some time this morning to honestly assess uh, this area of your life. And so maybe you, um, you know, ultimately you've got to, you know, let's go to this next slide. Ultimately, before you can figure these things out, you really have to be with uh, Christ. Can you hit the next slide for me? Yeah. Who are you living for? Are you living for yourself or are you living for are you living for God? You really can't live for God apart from who you are in Christ. And so if you don't have a relationship with Christ this morning, this is really going to be difficult. And so uh, maybe you've got questions about uh, God or the Bible, or maybe you're here this morning just kind of checking things out. You know, if you want to know more about how to have a relationship with Christ, um, I want to encourage you on the uh, welcome slip that's attached to your program. You can go ahead and tear that off. Pastor Dan mentioned it earlier. Um, take that welcome slip off, and then on, you know, someplace on there, just write, I want to know more about a relationship with Christ. Or uh, maybe you, you need to um, just understand he's not just a Savior, but a Lord. And so maybe you need to submit yourself to his Lordship, submit yourself um, you know, to his word. You know, baptism is, uh, is, is something that every believer is commanded to do. It's not an option. And so maybe as an issue of obedience, maybe your first step is just to identify publicly with Christ through baptism. And so... You know, I don't know what your next step is, um, but apart from a relationship with Christ, this is almost impossible. We're living, from our, we're living for ourselves apart from who we are in Christ. And so you know, this morning, if you want to know more about how to have a relationship with Christ, maybe take a step of baptism or get involved in a small group where you can start to learn to study God's Word together, um, you know, just take a moment to indicate that on your welcome slip. Now, maybe this morning you've been a believer for 25 years, and if you've got this all figured out, you know, I'd love to talk with you about what you're doing. But you know, if you, maybe you're sitting there this morning and you think, okay, well, I've got a relationship with Christ, and this all seems pretty basic. Um, pick one of those areas and, and, and talk to somebody about it. Say, this seems pretty basic to me, but you know, talk to somebody close to you that you trust and say, you know, how would you characterize how I'm living my life? I mean, do you see me as somebody that's living for myself or somebody that's living more uh, for God? Am I being rich towards God? And so, you know, regardless of where you are this morning, I'm hoping that, you know, it's my prayer that God would continue to draw each of us into uh, an area of being more Christ-like. You know, the Christian life is a journey. It's a constant state of growth. And so this morning, it's my prayer that God would just grow each of us and, and towards taking those next steps of uh, living life for him, of being more Christ-like and not being pulled uh, into this world. And so um, our ushers are going to go ahead and come forward now. And uh, we're going to pray in just a moment. So I want to give you just a second to fill those uh, welcome slips out. Um, But would you just uh, pray with me as we uh, close this portion of our service out? Uh, God, I just thank you for the hope that we have in Christ. I thank you for um, Jesus' warning to watch out, to not fall into the 
into different types of greed. And so, God, I pray that you would protect us, God, strengthen us. Uh, We want to be used, uh, God, for your glory. And so uh, I just pray that you would set us apart for that purpose. And, uh, God, help us to live lives uh, that are are leaning towards you. As we lean into you, God, I just pray that you would increase our faith, strengthen us. God, protect us from the snares of the evil one. Protect us from being pulled into uh, these pitfalls of greed. Uh, God, I thank you for all the ways you provided uh, for our church, for our ministry. Uh, God, we want to uh, be effective uh, for the cause of Christ in this community. And so, God, I pray that you would um, use our tithes and offerings this morning uh, to further your purposes. Uh, God, conforming us uh, into the image of your Son, uh, transforming our lives and having an impact on our community. And so, God, we lift all of these things up to you. Uh, for your glory, in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to stand and sing as we collect our tithes and offerings.
Thank you, worship team. It's awesome, huh? Hey, I'm uh, Matt Worrell. I'm one of the elders here at Springbrook, and I just wanted to remind everybody today's the second weekend of the month, and on the second weekend, the elders meet right across the hall here in the uh, prayer center uh, to pray, and we would love to lift you up in prayer. It's one of the most important things we can do. Um, and don't forget to introduce yourself to somebody that you don't know on the way out. Have a great day, everybody.